So I'm Emma Connors, Managing Editor of The Interpreter, and I'm here with Roger Shanahan, who, with Lydia Khalil, has co-authored a new Lowy Institute report titled Foreign Fighters in Syria and Iraq the Day After. Roger, let's talk firstly about the growing threat posed by returning jihadists. So far, the focus has been pretty firmly on defeating Islamic State in Syria and Iraq, but now we need to look beyond that, right? Yeah, that's correct. For all the good reasons, people have been uh, trying to prevent uh, foreign fighters travelling to Syria and Iraq to gain experience. Now, as uh, Islamic State's momentum has not only been halted, but uh, has shifted decisively against it, um, agencies really need to start looking at the day after what's uh, happening to these foreign fighters um, once Islamic State is defeated and furthermore once there's a political solution in Syria and the foreign fighters that are with other jihadi groups um, are no longer able to uh, remain inside Syria. You make the point in your report that this threat should not be viewed as a purely national one uh, affecting only those countries with citizens who have become foreign fighters. So if we shouldn't perceive it as a national threat, uh, I guess the answer is as a regional or international threat, but that is a big challenge for security agencies and legislators, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's probably the hardest issue to uh, grapple with. You know, more than 95% of Australians who've been victims of terrorist attacks um, have become victims overseas, so um, not within Australia. So there's two elements to this. Some of those foreign fighter, Australian foreign fighters will seek to come uh, back to Australia and some are already here. Um, intelligence agencies and security agencies need to have a good understanding of their networks um, when they're in Iraq and Syria to understand how they interacted with other uh, jihadis. And the other problem on the problem side for the intelligence and security agencies is prosecuting these people when they come back. Not because we don't have good legislation, but the evidentiary basis of taking it to court, that's a really difficult issue. Um, and it'd be interesting to see when we get the first uh, foreign fighter case going to court in Victoria later this year or early next year to see um, how courts view evidence that has been gathered. On the other issue about overseas, there's um, a range of issues that's going to make it very difficult for security agencies to um, uh, diminish uh, let alone destroy this threat. Um, there are thousands of foreign fighters who are going to be uh, uh, dispersed uh, throughout the Middle East region and, and further afield after the conflict. People really need to understand the networks that they've been um, um, working within to therefore understand who they interact with after. These people uh, will have skill sets um, and operational uh, experience that when it's exposed to other um, willing volunteers who never went to Iraq and Syria will, will make those groups more capable. And probably the third element is while we have good foreign fighter legislation um, and robust foreign fighter legislation in Australia, that's not the case with all other countries. And we have to remember that the vast majority of foreign fighters come from the Middle East region. They don't come from uh, the West. So um, even um, with these regional foreign fighters, if they're known and they return to their own countries in a number of countries, there's not the legislative basis to prosecute them or prosecute them to the degree to which um, we would believe means that their threat has been removed. Do you think in terms of what um, countries they will be targeting, the legislation and the nature of the legislation in those countries will affect their targets? Well, it's from what we've seen in the past, you know, these groups 
um, will want to target you know, a couple of things. One, uh, depending on how the government um, treats them, uh, they uh, will try and target government and security institutions. We've already seen the Islamic State in particular target Western targets, so that might be Western holidaymakers uh, in these countries. And we've seen in, in uh, Paris and Belgium just ordinary uh, Europeans going about their uh, daily business. So I think the legislative issue is important insofar as it allows people to uh, deal with uh, returning foreign fighters only once they get to their um, countries of origin, but we also need to have a much um, more integrated system of intelligence sharing so that this information that people are gathering is shared um, not only as widely as possible, but in as timely a fashion as possible. And I think what uh, we saw again in Paris, but more particularly um, in Belgium, was uh, the pitfalls when this intelligence sharing um, isn't as tightly um, organised as it could be. On the issue of shared intelligence, given the experience now um, fighting the various Islamic State groups in Syria and Iraq, obviously countries have been sharing um, information, those who've been involved in the fighting. Um, will that help them share information the day after? Well, this is a good question. One of the kind of questions that um, this whole conflict uh, raises is some of the people who've been uh, some of the countries who've been fighting Islamic State, uh, Jabhat Fatah al-Sham and other jihadi groups uh, in these countries, such as Russia and Iran, lie on uh, opposite ideological sides uh, from uh, the West. Now, does that mean that um, we shouldn't share uh, information uh, and intelligence with them uh, within the uh, parameters of returning foreign fighters? Absolutely not, and I think pragmatically we have to. They're going to have some of access to some of the um, best sources of um, intelligence and information as they take, um, particularly in Syria, as they take um, ground from Islamic State. It's going to uh, throw up a trove of intelligence information, the kind of intercepts that they would have um, conducted during the operations will throw up uh, information about the nature of networks, who uh, worked with who. All of this kind of stuff is is gold for intelligence agencies in this um, uh, era of kind of globalised jihadi terrorism. So the harsh reality is we're going to have to uh, deal with these countries. The question then becomes, um, are they going to share um, all of the information or are they only going to share selected pieces of information? You would have to assume that it's the latter, but some information is going to be better than no information. So there has to be some channels open between uh, ourselves and other Western countries and these governments with the understanding that you're not going to get uh, all of the information, but you're going to, whatever you get is going to be better than not having it. I guess one way of looking at it is that we're going to have to develop a new level of um, trusting with a certain amount of distrust the information we get in this area. Yeah, I think if there's one area of um, common, yeah, a common perception of threat uh, is uh, amongst all these states is uh, the threat posed by uh, radical jihadist terrorists. And so if you can't get a degree of cooperation on that, you're not going to get um, much cooperation anywhere else. But as with um, all of these um, kind of interactions, uh, Western intelligence agencies should go into it with their wise, 
eyes wide open and I don't think there's any reason why they wouldn't. Um, and I think um, the public has going to have to be uh, understanding of the fact that um, national governments will deal with um, uh, governments of nations with which we may have uh, very few other common interests except this one. Mm. Well, we look forward, hopefully, to some level of cooperation that will help us meet the threat. I think, uh, I think there will be because it's in everybody's best interest to do that. Sharing information is one aspect, though, um, dealing with it and dealing with it um, not necessarily in a um, kinetic fashion but in a um, law enforcement and judicial fashion is going to be another set of problems that we're going to face. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much. My pleasure.